Good morning, Valley Church. It's been a great day in the house, hasn't it? Have you been blessed this morning? Are you ready to be blessed next level? All right. Well, it is my distinct honor and pleasure to introduce this speaker to you. And I could tell you the places that he's graduated, the certificates that he has on his wall, but I'm going to forgo all that. Because the part to me that's really important is he's somebody that he's been here for two days now and he already, he and his beautiful wife already feel like family. This couple comes, brings, and absolutely walks in Father's love. They understand Father's love. Again, I would say they walk in Father's love, they overflow in Father's love, and they're here to teach Father's love to each one of us here this morning. So let's give a big valley welcome to Pastors Spencer and Wendy Tang. Aloha. <laughs> you guys learn Hawaiian quickly. Well, uh, my wife and I are from uh, Honolulu, Hawaii. We've uh, been to, this is our third tour back to Hawaii. I wasn't actually born there. I was born in uh, the East Coast and then moved to California. I lived most of my life in California, but we've planted a church uh, in 1994, went to Kansas City, spent four years there, went back to Hawaii. Uh, with the same church, was an associate pastor, a business owner, uh, went to a place called Redding, California. I don't know if anyone knows where Redding, California is, and was uh, involved with some uh, sisters and brothers there. Um, and then the Lord called us back to Hawaii to plant a church based on what I'm going to share with you this morning. And uh, the person, my better half, is standing next to me, and she's going to introduce um, our family to you. And um, let's see if we can, oh, you know what? I need to pull it over. Let me pull it over over here. We've been having technical issues all day long. That means it's going to be really good. Well, is that on? While he does that, I'll just say thank you so much for inviting us to your family. It feels like such it feels like such a privilege. We feel so blessed to be here and be so welcomed, and that what you have here is so special and uh, so precious. I'm not just saying that; I really mean it. You're you. There's such a spirit of love and welcoming here that uh, feels like a slice of heaven. And so, thank you so much for inviting us. Before you introduce our family, you know, oh, funny. yeah, they're a little condensed yeah. there. We, we look thinner, so that's good. <laughs> um, you know, there's something, you know, it, it, I don't know if you've noticed in the, in the last handful of years, there's many more and more songs written about God the Father. I don't know if you've noticed that, literally just in the last four or five years, and we've sang some of them this morning. You see, the thing that makes us family is that you're family when you have the same parent. That's what makes us brothers and sisters. 
when you have the same parent, you're part of the same family. So it's not necessarily our theology, it's not our, even our church, it's not even our, our, the way we dress or our culture, it's the fact that we have the same dad. That's how you know you're part of the same family. Now sometimes we don't always act like family, but that's the process of what it means to become a daughter and son. Well, we have a family too. All of us are born in natural born families, and we wouldn't be who we are without them. And so not to acknowledge them would be leaving out a part of who we are. And so uh, my wife's going to introduce the rest of who we are. So I'll start from the left. That's Caleb and Hadley. Um, Hadley's our oldest with our two most precious grandsons, um, our only grandchildren so far, except for Hadley's expecting in November. So that we're so excited about that. Jude is three, and Bren is 18 months. And um, it's funny because God has such a sense of humor. Hadley is our girliest girl, and those are all boy. Both of them sword-fighting, gun-toting, wrestling boys. And so she's got her hands full. Then next to her is our, is our uh, what we say in Hawaii, our Hanai son, adopted son, Milton and Ashley. They just got married. So we had, this is at the wedding of our daughter, Rebecca, in the middle. We had, 2020 for us was the year of romance and love and celebration. We had three weddings in 2020 when they said, you shouldn't gather. And so, (laughs) boy, did we gather. So, um, of course, Spencer. And then next to me there is Ruby, our 11-year-old. And we know you guys have a most precious Ruby. And uh, we have a precious Ruby. And um, Ruby, they told me, the doctors told me I would never carry another baby full term. And uh, we had a worship time, and um, I felt like the Holy Spirit told me I was pregnant, and I was. My, and I, it was 2009, and so I looked up, what does nine represent? And it meant completion going full term, the end of a matter. Ruby's due date was 9909. So God just put an exclamation point on that. In the middle, there's Rebecca and Kyler. This was her wedding. And um, Rebecca is probably is what I call my spiritual fingerprint. She is, um, we just in spirit, we are so similar. And at church, and most of the time, um, we both will get the same word or the same sense, or um, it's really fun. Then we've got Esther right beside Kyler there. Esther, yesterday was her 18th birthday. So she's our dancer. Grace right beside Esther. Oops. And uh, Grace is our, actually, uh, our number five daughter, and the number five represents Grace. And before I knew that, um, the Lord told me at the, I told, at the ultrasound where, um, the ultrasound text said, oh, another girl. And Spencer was like, oh my goodness. (laughs) And he said, he said, what are you worried about? He said, you'll never see the inside of a nursing home. He goes, me, I have three sons. I'm saving now. (laughs) So, and then beside Grace, she's our artist, by the way, the free spirit. Every family has one. You know what I mean? And beside her is Audrey and Deddy. They were the other wedding in 2020. Um, Audrey 
is, uh, her name means noble strength. And from birth, I said, everyone has that child that you feel like you're barely going to survive them as a child. Um, that strong, strong spirit, world changer. Uh, just let me tell you, inject character. Inject character. It's very important. They've got the strength and the passion. Put the character there and the love of God, and they will be unstoppable. And that's Audrey. She's unstoppable with her husband, Daddy. And that is our enormous family. Thanks, sweetheart. I don't need... I don't need. Well, if you bear with me, I'm going to try to change this thing to where it actually does what we want it to. Um, in the meanwhile, as we're, we're doing this, or as I'm doing this, um, I wanted to share with you some things that, um, that uh, let's go back to, there we go. Okay. And it's going to adjust and then get back to it. I want to reiterate what Wendy said. We've been, um, just some brief history. Um, I came into what I'm going to speak to you about um, 10 years ago in March of 2011. Uh, Pastor Matthew and I were comparing notes. That's when he came into this revelation too, almost the exact same day 10 years ago. I don't think that's an accident that he's come onto your staff right now. I don't think it's an accident that what... Holy Spirit has been doing in you and amongst you um, to prepare for what God's releasing. It's, it's truly amazing. I, I, we were dumbfounded. We were, uh, Rick and Lisa LeBrun are hosting us, and we could not have had more <laughs> gracious and kind hosts. It's been such a pleasure to, to be with them. And we talk a long time. It, it, literally, we'll sit for four hours, and it'll go by just like that. But one of these things we were telling them is that in giving this revelation, this place is unique amongst all others. The receptivity and openness that you have to what your Father in heaven wants to give you, I've never seen before. And I think he's up to something. And I think he's up to something. And what I'm going to share, I obviously started, uh, if you may or may not, were at... Um, the, the workshop that we did uh, started on Friday night, went Saturday morning. Um, I'm going to recap a little bit for, for most of you that weren't there, but something started. I've, I've had and we've heard testimonies of people saying something has changed. And really that's what it's about. Father is transforming us to the image of his son Jesus. He loves us as we are. But as we are, we're not fully free. We still struggle. We still bear weights upon our shoulders. We still walk with condemnation and shame. And God wants to get rid of all of it. All of it. And so I want to pray for us, pray for me um, as we start. Let's pray. Father, I want to pray for you what your servant what your friend, what your son, the Apostle Paul, prayed. And he prayed, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. 
I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Only you can make a way, Papa. We ask that you would make a way into our hearts. We ask that the king's domain, the kingdom, and all that is within it come into our heart. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to wrap up. Um, It's not showing it. Let's see. Some of the things we talked about yesterday was... um, Not going to do it? (laughs) I've never seen that screen. (laughs) We've been having issues. So we had... um, we had issues uh, the, the Sunday before we came. What I normally do, our little church, we, we have a Zoom meeting, and, and we come into our living room. Be healed, Jesus' name. I normally can set up the, the, uh, the, the, the tech and the webcam and everything. In five minutes, I did it, and nothing worked. Absolutely nothing worked. So this started even before. So the enemy is definitely trying to do... A number here. So come on. We got, yes. <laughs> Jared is going to act out all of our slides. So um, pray for him and his spirit of interpretation in that. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on as, as, we, as we work on this. So we talked about yesterday, um, we talked about, and, oh, okay, should I just pull the screen over, do you think, just, okay, yeah. That seems pretty washed out, doesn't it? I don't know why. Okay, there we go. Come on. Orphan living. What, what is that? Where did it come from? And this, I'm just going to define some terms. In orphan, Jesus used this term in John 17. I will not leave you, um, I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you. And from his understanding, an orphan was someone who was disconnected, who was not yet connected to the Father, because he had not yet ascended to the Father. The Holy Spirit has not, had not come to him. And he said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans, but I will come to you. And he's going to come in the form of the Holy Spirit. And once the Holy Spirit came, we get connected to the Father. Now that connection is real, it's there. 
But so often in our, in our lives, the fullness of it hasn't actually hit us. We don't look like Jesus immediately. How many people once said yes to Jesus didn't look like him immediately? Okay, the, most of you are good. Okay, so to you two over here, I'm gonna talk to you. No, so that's, that's the reality. We haven't. And that is what this process that some theologians call sanctification we are becoming like him. We are his son and daughter. We have been saved. And it's this process of being transformed in the image of Christ Jesus. That's, that's what we're talking about. But I want to address where did it come from? Well, it came from and started long time ago in a place called the Garden of Eden. And we're familiar with that story. So you have this tree. This is the tree the enemy tempted Adam and Eve to eat from. It's the tree that their father told them expressly, don't eat from it. So the thing is, just because we've said yes to Jesus doesn't automatically make us free from this tree. This is kind of evident because, like I said, let me ask you, has anyone ever struggled with fear, shame, or control? Anyone? Okay, if you have, just go ahead and take a seat. Okay, well, I'm, I'm speaking to the right audience. Everyone, God, nice, nice. Except for you, Pastor Matthew, you're standing up, so you're good. But everybody else is sitting down. Fear, shame, and control. Have you ever felt that? Fear, fear of man, fear of the future, fear of how am I going to pay that bill, fear of growing up, fear of whatever it is. Shame, have you ever felt shame? Shame says, not only did you do wrong, you are wrong. And the enemy uses shame all the time to drag us down, to forget who we are in him. See, Papa wants to kill shame off. And then control come in. Adam and Eve exhibited all these things when they ate of the fruit. We don't have to go into all that. But if you read the Genesis account and they eat of the fruit... This is what manifests. Control. You ever try to you ever try to control your wife? Do you ever how that doesn't work out very good at all at any point? You see, we try to do it. We try to control our circumstances. We try to control our neighbor. We try to control our kids. None of it works, right? It just doesn't work. Part of that issue of the need to control comes from the curse of this tree. Sometimes it's in the form of manipulation. Adam tells God, who the Lord told him, not Eve, don't eat from this tree for surely you will die. He essentially says, you know what? It's the woman you gave me. So what's Adam doing the whole time? The serpent's talking to Eve. He's got his finger, never mind. But he is not doing jack diddly squat. And then he's trying to pawn it off on God. Hey, it's kind of your fault. You gave me her. What is that all about? That's called manipulation. And he's trying to do it on God. Like, hello. But we try to do things. The way we say things, the, the manner in which we say things, 
uh, kind of sometimes a little passive aggressive. How you doing? I'm fine. Yeah, I'm okay. You know, it's like we say we're fine, but our whole body language is tell like, no, I'm, I've got some a problem with you, you know. And then you got to go, well, I'm sorry, what is it, you know, and all this stuff. Control, manipulation, it's all that. So this affects humanity, all of humanity, and wrecks havoc on every family that has ever existed. Brokenness comes into every father-son relationship, father-daughter relationship, mother-son relationship, mother-daughter relationship. Every significant relationship, this effect has its way. And like I said, just because we said yes to Jesus doesn't make that disappear because we just mentioned, if you experience any of that, sit down. And so that's all of us, all of humanity. Jesus was the first step to do that. And I'm kind of here to tell you the other step. So what's another manifestation of orphan living? The eyes of our heart close. You see, we have two set of eyes. One is the ones that's in our head and that we receive information, the carpet is green, the walls are blue, the screen is washed out, whatever it is, we can, this is what our eyes see. We're hearing, we've got great audio, but they only give us information what's in this realm. The Genesis account, if you read what happened, Moses records that their eyes were closed once they ate of the tree. Well, what eyes were those? Well, I would propose to you the eyes of the heart. That's how they perceived walking with God in the cool of the day. It was the eyes of love. Those eyes closed, the eyes of their mind opened, not necessarily these physical eyes, they always had these eyes, but the eyes of their mind opened, and then all they could see was good and evil. That's good, that's bad. You're okay, you're a 10, you're a three, you're a two, you're a loser, you're a winner. And we can do that three times in one second and not even think about it because it's so automatic. Judgment, I judge things, I judge people, I judge areas, I judge whatever based on what I hear, based on what I see. That's happened a lot in the last election cycle. I don't know if you know that. Judgment, here, there, 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 and we do it automatically. It's just a way of life for us. God wants us to be free of that because that's not how he operates. So we spoke about this yesterday. The prophet Samuel knows that Saul's going to have a successor and he's told by the Lord to go to the house of Jesse to find the next king. Jesse parades all his young strapping boys in front of Samuel and he goes, nope, 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 nope. You got any other ones? And Jesse's like, yeah, there's, there's one left. He's, he's, he's a shepherd, but there's no way it could be him. And Samuel says those words that we quote. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God sees the heart. He sees with a whole totally different set of eyes. We see with the eyes of our mind, and we judge. 
that person is this, that person is that, that person is whatever. And that so often dominates our life. We're just judging everything. We're judging people, we're judging things, we're judging... And with social media now, that just has accelerated even more. Judgment never brings life. It's an attempt to do, to find out what's good and evil, but it never brings life. That's why the enemy tempted us to eat of that tree, tempted Adam and Eve to eat of that tree. Judgment never brings life. And that's part of the curse, and that's where a lot of us live. The next thing that happens is we live life, life in the flesh by our own wisdom and strength. When Adam and Eve became disconnected from the Father and they had to leave the garden, they were on their own. Have you ever said, I got to figure this out or I got this? What essentially we're saying is, I have some degree of expertise. I've done it before so many times. I can do it with one hand tied behind my back. I got this. What you're saying is, I have the resources, I have the strength, I have the knowledge, I have the know-how, I have the perseverance, I have the strength to do what I need to do. The problem is, you're not connected to God's strength and God's love and God's power. You're connected only to your own. So orphans have to do things all on their own. If I don't do it, nobody else will. Who's looking out for me? Only me. So we become, live a life by our own wisdom and strength, and we feel like we have to just gain more wisdom and more strength. I've got to go to school. I've got to look it up uh, how to do it on YouTube. I've got I've to work out. I've got to do whatever it takes so I can increase in these things so I can get by in the world. I have to tell you, that's an orphan way of living. That is not the way our Heavenly Father designed us to live. On our own, you deal with it, you, you do it on your own strength. That's not what a loving father says. And that certainly is not what our Heavenly Father says. Our hearts are broken in prison. We took time yesterday really to talk about that. You see, the effects of fear, shame, and control is that it breaks our heart. Everyone sitting here, everyone in this auditorium, and everyone outside this, these four walls have had their heart broken in some way. Either by sins that we ourselves have done or sins done against us. And Jesus understood that. All of us have had our hearts broken. All of us have had wounding and scarring in our hearts. Some on our physical bodies, but the most significant ones happened in our heart. And to not acknowledge that and not to understand that that those scars, those woundings, that brokenness somehow shapes the way I react to people. I've told uh, my daughters and my Hanai son as they got married last year, I told them marriage is God's refining fire because it's going to reveal your heart. You might think you weren't selfish, but when you get married, you realize I'm really selfish. That's what happened to me. I didn't know I was so selfish. My friends didn't tell me I was selfish. Actually, my parents did tell me I was selfish, but 
you know, who, who listens to their parents at that age, right? I'm not saying that as a, uh, we should listen to it, but I, at the place I was not knowing the Lord, I, was, I didn't listen to my parents. I found out how selfish I was when I got married. It was a revealing. And so, brokenness and in prison, some of us are, are, are imprisoned by drugs or alcohol or pornography or work or food or, or whatever the so many things we have to try to comfort ourselves. And Father says, I want your freedom to be bound by anything other than the love of the Father in Christ through the Holy Spirit is to be imprisoned because you were never meant to be imprisoned by those things. You were meant for freedom and for love. That's what you were meant for. But when you feel like you're on your own, you gotta comfort yourself. I find the refrigerator a very dangerous appliance. When I feel I need to comfort myself. And so all of humanity, after what Adam and Eve did, now becomes orphan. So the wonderful thing is, Papa doesn't leave us in that state. In the Old Testament, he's saying he sent prophets and leaders to try to lead people back to God. Then he ultimately sent his perfect representation, his one begotten son, Jesus. He sends him on a rescue mission to redeem back what was his. His daughters and his sons, his family. Jesus was sent on a rescue mission. Jesus succeeded. Just go ahead and repeat that. Jesus succeeded. And what did, what did he do? He comes in a manner that was so distinct from the religious system of the time. And he says things like this. Not like that. Like this. John 4. John six forty four. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them and I will raise them up on the last day. You see, you might have said yes to Jesus and you might have thought that was on your own. It wasn't. The Father was working in your heart to draw you to say yes to his Son. The Father and Son and Holy Spirit are at play more than you understand, more than you know. So Jesus himself says, you can't come to me unless Papa sends you. And Papa sends you because he loves you. Then he says in John 14, 6, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Usually a memory verse stops right there. 
John 14, 6 goes on. And no one comes to the Father except through me. It's almost as if Jesus came to bring us back to the Father. Do you think maybe that's why he came? Do you think maybe the cross was the way, the sacrifice was the way to get back to the Father? Do you think the whole point was to get back to the Father? I believe it is. I know beyond any shadow of a doubt it is Jesus came to reveal his Father and say, this is the one that before creation he had you in his mind, before the world came into existence. I don't know how long ago the world was created, the universe, I'm not going to get into that today, but it was a, a while ago. And Paul tells us in Ephesians that he was thinking of us before creation and that in love he predestined us to the adoption to sonship. He predestined you to be connected to your heavenly Father through Jesus. So Holy Spirit, make this real to us. The mission of Jesus was to redeem us and reconnect us and restore us back to our true Father. The one who's been our Father all along. Yes, we have an earthly father, and they are our father temporarily. I mean, they'll always be our father, but they actually father us for a very short period of time. Maybe until our teens. Some of us didn't have fathers. Some of us lost our fathers. Some of us had fathers we don't necessarily want to repeat what they did. And it's that brokenness between father and son, father and daughter, mother and son, mother and daughter, the parent, parents, the wounding that has happened that has sometimes caused us to put those glasses on, the wounded glasses, and see Heavenly Father in a distorted way. There's maybe 200 of us, 300 of us in this room. Every one of us has a different emotional response when I say the word Father. Based on your own relationship with your father, with your mother, parent in general. The enemy will so often use that and put what happened with him and her on dad. It's kind of like when Adam said, uh, it's the woman you gave me. He's trying to pin it on the Lord. And inadvertently, even though we know Heavenly Father is nothing like the earthly father, they share the same name, Father, Papa, but that's it. It's a prejudice. It's a stereotype. But the enemy will exploit that and use that to try to put distance between you and your Abba. Does that make sense? He is nothing like our earthly father. If you had the best father in all of human history, that's something to be thankful about, but he is nothing. I don't want to take anything away from him, but compared to Heavenly Father, he is completely insufficient. You could have had the best father in all of human history and still need, desperately, relationship with your Heavenly Father. I want to make that clear. 
it's not about ultimately the relationship with your parents. If there's unforgiveness there, Father is going to walk with you to help work through that unforgiveness because unforgiveness blocks his love from coming into your heart. The reason is the young ladies that got baptized, both of them, when they say yes to, to Jesus and receive his forgiveness, Father says, if you've done that and received my forgiveness, how can you withhold that from somebody else? If you know your sins have been forgiven, you can't withhold forgiveness from somebody else. And I know there's some horrific things that have happened even in family relationships. Papa says, I'll walk with you. I know how hard it is. I'm gonna walk with you. I'm gonna give you strength. I'm gonna give you hope. I'm gonna be showing you my love throughout this whole forgiveness process. But let it be known Forgiveness has to be done. There's no way around that. You cannot say, I, Jesus is Lord, and not forgive your brother or anybody else. That's one of the basic foundational understandings of what it is to receive the love of God. So John records Jesus to go on and say, if you really know me, you will know my father as well. From now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been with you, been among you such a long time. Anyone who has seen me has seen the father. How can you say show us the father? Don't you believe me that I am in the Father and the Father's in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father's in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works, some translations say the miracles themselves. Wow, that's, that's pretty clear. If anyone who has seen me, you've seen the Father. So if you ask the question, who does the Father look like? Who does he sound like? What does he feel like? Well, if you've seen Jesus, if you know Jesus, if you know anything about the character of Jesus in his revealed word or in his life, in, in, in his working in your life, then that's the same as the Father. You cannot separate the two. They are two distinct people. Number one in the Trinity, the Father. Number two in the Trinity, person in the Trinity, Jesus Christ. But they're so united, Jesus can say, if you've seen me, if you've heard me, Jesus goes on, John said, I can do nothing apart from what I see my Father in heaven doing. It's almost as if he was fathering the disciples. The disciples were probably young men. Manhood was 13 at the time. Jesus was the old guy at 30 years of age. I mean, 30 is not old, but in that time, he was the old guy probably. There was probably no one older than 30. 
Most likely, a lot of these guys were in their late teens, early 20s. And it's almost as Jesus is fathering them, showing them this is what a father is like. And so he's always pointing to the father. This is who my father's like. I come from my father. I can't do anything apart from my father. If you've seen me, you've seen the father. So Paul in Ephesians goes on to say this. Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. So if you can imagine somehow being a fly in the wall, I don't know if there's walls in heaven or I don't, certainly not flies in heaven, but if you're somehow there and you're, you're thinking, you're looking at Father and you could see his thoughts, he's thinking of you before creation. And the way he thought of you was certainly not affected by fear, shame, and control. The way he thought of you was being full of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Full of love, full of joy, full of peace, full of patience, full of kindness, full of goodness. The fruit of Holy Spirit is the character of Jesus. He's saying, my daughters and my sons, they look and act like Jesus himself. That's what he's thinking before creation He's not thinking of us somehow infected by the curse of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so that's why he can go on to say what he says. In love, he predestined us for the adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to his plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of the will in order that we, who were first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. Man, there is so much there. We're not going to go into it. I'm just going to ask Holy Spirit to imprint that on your, your heart. But Father had some beautiful, incredible plans that now he's in the times that are being fulfilled, he's beginning to fulfill it. We've said yes to Jesus. And if you haven't, please come and see us after the service. That was the first step. In saying yes to Jesus, you're filled with the spirit of Christ. It's also the spirit of the Father. And you were brought into relationship now with the Heavenly Father, your true Father. And now... It's this relationship of Father knows everything about you. He knows your, the hairs on your head. He knows your thoughts before you think them. He's captured every tear that you've shed. Now it's the journey to find out 
who he is. What is he like? Like he said, he's a lot like Jesus. If you know about anything about Jesus, you've got a great start in finding out who your father's like. Sonship. When I, when I use the term sonship, what I believe Paul is communicating in Ephesians and Galatians and other places, sonship is being connected in love to our true father by what Jesus did on the cross. That's the simple definition of what, who we are in him, connected to him. So this is what sonship's like. We talked about this yesterday. On the left is a glassblower's furnace. There's a, that rod right there called a punty that a goblet, a wine goblet, is attached to. In that place of perfect love, that's where we're transformed to the image of Jesus. In the natural realm, the glassblower's furnace is about 2,000 degrees. It melts glass and allows the glassblower to blow it, to shape it, to cut it, to form it. That's what Father's doing in his love. He's transforming you and I to the image of Jesus. This is supposed to be our home. Not the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, where fear, shame, and control are. It's this place. This is our home, where perfect love hangs out. This furnace is emanating love right now. He's actually, as John says in his first epistle, God is love. He's not just loving. That is his substance. And if he is love, that means he's loving you right now. And right now. And right now. Because God is love. He is who he is. He's emanating love and he's drawing us in. He's trying to draw us from the place of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, fear, shame, and control, into a place where perfect love dwells and perfect love does what perfect love does. It transforms you in in the image of Jesus. You see, this is the thing. When I'm experiencing the love of the Father as I am now, the truth is I don't want to sin. How can I? Because I'm experiencing love. Love displaces sin. Perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out all the things that want me to try to comfort myself. Perfect love casts out my desire to rebel. I don't want to sin when I am in perfect love. Does that make sense? How do you stop sinning? Receive perfect love because it kicks it out. Like, it can't occupy the same space. Love and fear can't occupy the same space. You have capacity to only hold one thing at a time. And you are created in love, predestined to the adoption to sonship. You are created to be a child of God in the love of your father, your true father, who also happens to be the father of Christ, who sent his son to redeem you and rescue you so you could be there. (laughs) 
see, that's the good news. You don't make yourself like Jesus. Jesus makes yourself like him. It's his love. It's the love of the Father sent through the Holy Spirit. So in Romans 5, Paul is writing, many theologians say that if you understand Romans, that's an amazing thing. Paul, it's very sometimes complicated, sometimes a little bit confusing, but there's so much packed in the Romans. But he introduces the Holy Spirit to the Romans, who are Gentiles, who are not Jews, for the very first time in Romans chapter 5. And this is what he says. And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God, God the Father, is being poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. You see, that's what the Holy Spirit does. He's the bearer of the love of the Father, and that's happening right now. Whether you understand it or not, it's happening right now. This is what I said yesterday to, to our group. This little thing has signals emitting from it. They're called Bluetooth signals. Do you have the capacity in your brain to receive Bluetooth signals? Because I don't. I don't have capacity to have Wi-Fi signals or cell signals. But the electronics do. See, the love of God is emanating right now. And the way you're able to receive that is that the eyes of your heart begin to open and you believe it. So when I came here this morning, I had to get on the network to pull down this um, presentation from my Google Drive. And I had to ask Pastor Tim, what's the password? Because I need to get, I need my, this computer needs to hook up with the printer so it could, so it could print. See, the love of God has a password. You didn't think he was that technical, did you? The password to God's love is believe. If God is love, that means if A, then B. If God is love, that means he's loving you right now. If you don't believe it, guess what? You don't get to receive it. It doesn't mean that he stops loving. I can believe the sun's not shining. Now, there's no such thing as the sun. The earth is flat. There's no sun. And I can believe that all I want and, and live inside in the shade. But I actually don't get the benefit of the sun until I step out into the sunlight. I can believe it doesn't exist. It doesn't make it stop shining. God's loving you right now. Whether you believe it or not, but as a daughter, as a son, you were created to live in perfect love. Not in the black, but in perfect love. Does that make sense? You were created to be in love. And the beginning step of that is believe. Type B-E-L-I-E-V-E. Can you believe? Can you dare to believe that your Father's loving you right now? And as I said yesterday, I'm not at all worried that he doesn't show up at church on Sunday morning here. Valley Church is one of the most amazing churches, as my wife said, that we've ever been in. Where I would love for him to show up is Tuesday morning. When I have, going to meet that client that really drives me nuts. <laughs> on Thursday night, when the dog got into the trash and spewed it all over my neighbor's lawn. I want him to show up 
when I didn't see the car in my blind zone and I clipped him, spun him out, and it hit another car. That's where I want him to show up. By the way, none of those things happen, but you get my point. In the, in the trenches of life, and all the other hours we're not sitting here, that's when he's loving you. So the simple prayer that we pray at our small little church that meets at our home and some on Zoom say, we say, thank you, Father, for loving me right now. And especially when you're in a place where you know you need love, that's the time to believe that he's actually loving you. See, Paul understood this. He said, I know what it's like to be in plenty of want. I know what it's like to be shipwrecked, to be vipers, bite me to be stoned, not, not that kind of stone, but people actually picking up stones. And... Okay, if you didn't get that, that's great. That's totally fine. Shipwrecked, imprisoned, beaten, flogged. He says, I, you know what? My circumstances actually don't even fully matter because God's loving me the whole time. That's how I, how I read that. He understood the adoption to sonship. He understood the furnace. And he actually got to a place where it, he said, it actually doesn't matter what happens to me because perfect love is always pouring into my spirit, into my heart, like all the time. And fortunately, God's love meter is broken because it's stuck on full all the time. It's stuck on full. There's no time and there's no place where he says, you know what? You kind of screwed up. I'm pulling back on the love meter. I need to, I, you need to get into the word before I'm going to turn it back on. He doesn't do that. It's called agape. It's called unconditional, meaning there is no condition. You and I have no concept to understand unconditional. Unconditional can only come from a God who created everything. It can't come from you and me. If it does come from you and me, we have to get it from him and then give it away. Unconditional is what he does. You and I only know, because we live in an orphan world, and there's still a little bit of orphan in us, no conditional. I love you if you do this. I love you if you'll do that. I love you if you listen to me. I love if you, I like the school you went to. I love you if you date the right person that I approve of. I like you, whatever, conditions. Our Father doesn't have those. They are supernatural. So that's the kind of father we have. John, once again, in his epistle. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love, does not love, does not know God, because God is love. This is how he showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. You have to live through Jesus. Jesus has to be in you. That's what baptism symbolizes. Death to the old man, Christ now in you. Jesus once said in John, unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you can't have no part of me. And the guys that were with him not the disciples, but other people go, we are out of here. This guy's nuts. 
because he's th- they're thinking he's talking about cannibalism. And he doesn't go, oh, oh my gosh, I think you're thinking, I'm t- I'm, okay, come back, let me re- explain. I, I, I didn't mean literally eating. No, he lets them walk. And the disciples are the only one that's left. And I guarantee in their minds, they're like, man, what he just said, I, I don't know what he means by that. But I know he's the son of God and I'm going to stick around. But that's a hard saying. And so in this perspective, now we understand he's talking about communion. He's talking about, I have to live in you. Me has to actually live in you. My body, my blood actually has to be flowing through you to experience God as love. Jesus, Christ in us, Paul says, the hope of glory. See, that's what the love of God is doing. It's forming Jesus, like I said, in our hearts. You can't form Christ-like character in your heart. I don't care how much you pray. I don't care how much you fast. I don't care how much Bible you know. I don't care how many people you lead to Christ. I don't care any of those things. You, those things do not make you like Jesus. Those are outworkings of when love comes and it fills me all the way up and then it just starts to overflow. And then I tell other people about love. And then I lay hands on somebody else and it's a manifestation of Father's love. And then, then, I, then I, I, God calls me to go to another country and he's given me a love for those people. He gave it to me. I didn't conjure it up myself. He gave it to me. The emphasis on he, he initiates it, he empowers it, he leads. And all the while that I'm giving, I'm experiencing his love because he's loving me right now. And he's loving you right now. Wednesday morning, he's loving you right now. Friday night, you don't have traffic, but some places have traffic and you're in the middle of traffic. He's loving you right now. Whatever the crisis you're facing, he's loving you. And he's wanting you to understand that and he's wanting you to walk in that. We're going to go for the sake of time. I just want to pop to the bottom. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he's first loved us. See, being made perfect in love is having the relationship with God the Father in Christ through the Holy Spirit in all that he has. That's how he makes us perfect in love. I can't love until I receive his love. So, like I shared yesterday, God's not saying... I gave you natural gifts, talents, personality, and so on. Wendy has about 150 units of compassion. I have about 15. But the 150 will still run out. The 15 will run out a lot faster. But God's not saying, hey, I want you to use who you are and burn yourself out and run through that to love other people. No, what he's saying is you receive love And with the love that you receive, you give it away. 
So you're not giving you away, you're giving my love away to you. That's a big difference. You can't, you can't burn out when love is always flowing through you and you're giving it. So what happens? You give love away and then you have no more. Too bad. No, it continues to flow. We just step into that flow. Father, what are you doing? How are you loving this person? Let me see what you're doing. Just like Jesus says, I, I do nothing apart from what I see in my heart my Father doing. And Jesus steps into that. And so capital S son is teaching us little sons, sons and daughters, how to walk in the same relationship he had with his own heavenly father. Through his love. He's empowered by his love. And he says, now you can do it. It's not, it's way more being a, than a servant. John 12, a servant doesn't know his master's business. John 15, I no longer call you servants with friends. John 20, don't grab hold of me yet, Mary. I've not yet ascended to the father. Go and tell my brothers, I'm going to my God and your God, to my Father and your Father. Same Father. Same Father. We have the same Father. The same Father that loved Jesus, that empowered him, that walked with him, that Jesus looked at and said, I do nothing apart from what I see my Father in heaven doing. He's saying, now you can. You can walk as Jesus walked. And that's not saying I become Jesus. That's just saying I can see the Father just like Jesus can. And the way, I am the way, the truth and the life makes the way for you and I to walk in that relationship. To have eyes to see, ears to hear, to understand what it means to walk in perfect love. That slide's gone. Perfect love all the time. All the time. Because he's loving you right now. And he's loving you right now. And he wants literally every minute of your day for your heart and your mind and your spirit to be aware of that love. I'm doing a lot of repeat because a lot of us weren't here. But what I shared with is, you know, some things God has given us. He just says, you know what? I didn't want you to worry about it. Like your breathing, like your heartbeat. Like, can you imagine? Oh, dang, I forgot my heart to stop beating. Like, 20 minutes ago, I forgot. No, he just, he gives certain body functions, the vast majority of them, he makes it what's called autonomous. It does it on its own. The reason it can't do that for love is because love always has to be a free will decision. Nobody forced me to marry Wendy. Some cultures, they do force you. But in our culture, you do it out of free will because that's a characteristic of love. I can choose not to, to point my heart towards the love of the Father. I can choose to do that. And he honors that choice. But in that white hot love of that furnace, it is going out and wooing us and drawing us every minute of every day. And all he's asking you to do is say, yes, Father, thank you for loving me right now. Do you, see how, do you see how simple this is? His love empowers you to be like Jesus. It's self-sustaining. Once it starts and you understand in your heart what it means to receive the love of the Father, it just can keep on going and going. Because of free will, I can step out into the tree of the knowledge and good evil, and believe me, I've done it a lot of times. 
But you know what? It's happening less. Something fearful would happen that normally would cause a 10 on the scale, and now it's only a 6. It isn't totally gone, but that's 40%. If you were a stockbroker and you told me you'd give me a 40% return on my stocks, I'm like, sign me up. Okay? And God's not done with me. So the delta, the change, it's the, the, the Greek letter is delta, and that means the change, the transformation. If he's notching it from a 10 to a 6, a 40% decrease, I'll take it. He's transforming us to the image of Jesus. I'm living with less fear. So this is the practical outworking. When I'm, when I'm experiencing love, I don't want to sin, and I have more joy, peace, and comfort from him in my life than I've ever had in the last 10 years, especially in the last three. That's just the practical, what's the upside of this? Who would want to live with more joy and peace in your life? I don't think anyone would not want to do that. This is the abundant life that Jesus said, I came that you might have life and that you might have it to the full. This is what a full life looks like, that I'm being transformed into the image of Christ Jesus. It's got washed out, but in the middle is, I showed this yesterday again, cross-stitch from my mother-in-law. And she, she did a cross-stitch. And I wanted to highlight the ones on the side. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord my banner. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. El Shaddai, all-sufficient one. Jehovah Ra, the Lord is my shepherd. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals. Jehovah Shema, the Lord is there. See, these, the names of God reveal the character of God. What he wants is to be all those things to you. He wants to be all those things to you. And they're wrapped up in the one name, Papa. He's your Papa. That's what he is. And he's wrapped all of those things he wants to be to you. And so what is it like? Oh, hey, Jared. <laughs> what is it like? How do we get there? This is where we're going to wrap up. Matthew 18, 1 through 4. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom. Why does Jesus say this? Let's ask a little child. Let's ask him. That's Brenny. He's my youngest grandson. He literally is the cutest thing in all the earth, isn't he? I love that smile. He's a little bit older now. But I want to ask you one question. What is Brenny excellent at? He's a pro. He could get money if, if this was a sport. And you can't say pooping or eating. Or crying. What is he excellent at? Bren is excellent at receiving love and comfort. 
I don't have to twist his arm like, oh, Brenny, you got it. You got to get nourishment and love and comfort from mom, my oldest daughter, Hadley. You really should. You really need to. No, he automatically responds to love and comfort. See, because we've been wounded by the effects of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it blocks us from responding to Father's love and comfort. But I'm here to tell you, he's loving you right now. And the reason Jesus says, become like Bren, is because Bren is excellent at receiving love and comfort. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who will comfort you in all your troubles so that you may comfort others with the very comfort you yourself have received. Do you know your heavenly Father as the God as the Father of the Lord Jesus the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort? He's Jesus' Father. He's your Father. You might know that in your mind, but does your heart know him as the father of compassion and the God of all comfort? See, that's the issue. If you don't know him for who he is, you won't go to him for what he gives. You were designed to be comforted. You weren't designed to be comforted by your, in your own way. You were designed to be comforted by your Father in heaven. That's what Paul tells us. It's okay to need comfort. We were designed to receive comfort. It's when we fulfill our own comfort, that's when things go sideways. You were designed to be comforted. I had no idea I was designed to be comforted by my Father. Maybe you understand this. I had no idea. I was 47 years old. I'd been a pastor in three different places. I'd gone to seminary. None of this I knew. None of it about who my father was. It's like someone added those scriptures because I, I read them and it didn't register to me. And now I read them and I'm like, oh my gosh. He's the father of compassion and the God of all comfort who will comfort you in just a few of your troubles. No, he says all. I looked it up in the Greek. All means all. Like, like you get to define what's a trouble. Any trouble that you feel like is a trouble, you get to define what a trouble is. Someone stole your money. Someone hit your car. You don't know about your, your son or your daughter. You don't know where you're going to go to school. Whatever trouble, you get to find that trouble. And he says, I want to comfort you in that trouble. So that's the practical place we're going this morning. Do you know him as the father of compassion and the God of all comfort? We're going to close with um, some words from another child. This is my youngest daughter, Ruby. And Ruby has been getting prophetic words that are far beyond her. They are not from her. 
January 24th of this year during church. You got this. My child, fear nothing, for I will guide you. I am with you. I am your father. What is worth your concern when I'm the one holding your hand? What should you fear when I've planned all time? I've made a way for you. Your destiny is not unknown. I know who you are. You will never not be known by me. I know you better than you know yourself. There is a constant flow of love flowing out of me like a rushing river, and I give you access to it. Anytime you need it or want it, it will always be there. February 20th, my child, you might think that I love you, but once you really see how much I love you, the whole idea of love will change. I never leave you. Everything I've ever done or ever will do is because I love you. I've never done anything that does not come out of loving you. Everything is for you. My heart is yours. All of my victories are yours. I offer shelter in the storm, comfort in a world of chaos, and I don't ask you to run to me, for I will run to you. April 11th, earlier this month, early last month. My child, you can never truly stray far from me. You are never lost when I know where you are. I have loved you after you have made, every, made mistakes and before you apologize. There will never be a point in time where I will stop loving you. You have my whole heart. I fight for your... F I fight for your freedom and keep you safe in my arms. You don't need to worry about the future or regret the, about the past because I'm right here with you in the present and I will never leave. April 18th, I am not a distant God who watches from afar, but a father who is ever so close. It is true that I would, well, I would cross an ocean for you, but we will never be that far apart, for I keep you close to me. I know you've experienced hardships, but now, but know that I have not left you to be crushed by the wages of this world. I have, and I will give you strength to overcome them. I am with you, I'm in you, fighting for you, and I will never stop. You see, there's no spiritual being that's closer to you than your Father in Christ through the Holy Spirit because he happens to make his home in you. John 14, 23. My Father will love them, and we will come to them. Jesus is speaking, and make our home in them. His abode is you. He's not far. There's no one closer. There is no one closer. And nothing in all creation can stop him from loving you. The only thing that stops the flow of love is your heart saying no. That's the only thing. Neither height nor depth, nor anything created, nor anything in the demonic realm. Nothing except your no in your heart. So we want to say yes. We want to say yes. Minister team, if you could come on up. Apologize for going late. What I've spoken, the Spirit has taken that and has spoken to your heart, to your spirit. And you realize 
what was being said is of God, is of your loving Father, then I want you to stand. I want you to stand. And if you ask, if you need to break through, if you need help in forgiveness, if you need to say yes to the way to the Father, Jesus, come up. But you have to remember He's loving you right now. In five hours after you leave the sanctuary, He'll be loving you right now. And Monday morning when you go to school or you go to work or you're with your kids, He's loving you right now. He's always, always loving. And if you dare to believe that to be true, love does what love does. It begins to pour into your heart by the Holy Spirit. So we say, come. Come, Holy Spirit, and do what you do in bringing the love of the Father. Some of us had severe wounding through our parents. And unfortunately, we can only give what we have, and that severe wounding has affected our own relationships with our daughters and sons. I know it has mine. But Papa is a redeeming Father. He loves to restore relationship. That's what He does. That's what He does. And so, Father, the people that are standing, the people that are sitting, I pray you, even now you begin to move. Even now, before I even got here, you have already started to move on hearts even now. You started then, you're doing it even more now, and you will continue to do it because nothing will stop that love from reaching out to every heart, every son, every daughter, because you live in them. So, Papa, make a way more. More, more love. Press that in all the way. Press it down. Press it in. Fill that up. Every place where there's a crack in our hearts, every place where there's a hole, every place where there's a brokenness, you make a way towards. You are the repairer of the breach. You are Jehovah Rapha. The Lord, you are Papa Healer. You are Daddy Provider. You are Abba, our strong tower and our protector. You are all those things. Help us to believe that in our heart. Make a way for the reality of that in our heart even more. So as we, as we worship, feel free to come up to the ministry team if you have a desire to. We're going to be having the um, Sunday lunch. Um, Wendy and I and the other teams will be there if you have any thoughts or questions that you'd like to ask. We'd love to talk to you, especially if you have not been to the 
Friday and Saturday time. Father loves to heal. He knows everything about you. This is the season where we get to know him. And sometimes you just need to be quiet because he's just speaking who he is over you. You don't even have to tell him, God, I love you. God, I love you. He wants to tell you how much he loves you. You don't have to tell him. He knows you love him, but you can't even love him without him first loving you. So let first love come. Let first love come. Let first love come. So let's go ahead and worship as we do. Please come forward to the ministry team if you if you like prayer.